Hello, and welcome to the Block Solid Podcast, where we talk about the evolution of technology, property, blockchain, crypto, and how we, the owners, the buyers, the renters, the investors, the artists, the actors, and the entrepreneurs can benefit from it all. I'm Yael Tamar, CEO and co-founder of Solid Block, pioneer in real estate tokenization, and I'm so excited to welcome my friend Hill Harper as my special guest on today's episode. Hi, Hill. How are you? Hey, it's great to be on. I'm excited for this conversation. So this is good. I'm super excited. I want to catch up about so many things and your business and your community and just everything that you're doing right now. You know, we haven't, last time I saw you was like almost a year ago, I think, right? It was. And I'll tell you, things have moved and changed so quickly. And you know, what's crazy is that they're running in a lot of different directions, not all of them good. And so those of us who are working in this space, we have to remain intentional and we have to keep doing the work and working together and supporting each other, or things can run a whole different direction and end up replicating in a system that was supposed to create more equity and more fairness. It can be used to do the exact opposite and centralize money and wealth, et cetera. And so we got to do this work to make sure we're doing it the right way. Amen. Amen. So I kind of want to give the listeners and the viewers the background in case they don't know who Hill Harper is, is on one of my favorite shows of all time, literally The Good Doctor. And actually, you know what? I haven't seen the show until I met you. So, you know, I knew who you were, but I didn't know. I heard the show was great. But when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is incredible. I just literally binge watched it in like a week. So that's I'm super excited about the new season that you're you know filming. And uh, but on top of The Good Doctor, you know, you've done a few other shows, CSI New York, Limitless. But what I was really excited about is your, you know, business background, right? So, you know, and I just want to kind of read this bio. So Hill is the author of four New York Times bestsellers, and he's earned seven NAACP Image Awards for his writing and acting. He's also the founder of the Manifest Your Destiny Foundation, dedicated to empowering underserved youth through mentorship, scholarship, and grants. Hill graduated magna cum laude as valedictorian of his department with a bachelor's from Brown University and, and cum laude with a Juris Doctor degree from Harvard Law School. He travels frequently as a motivational speaker, addressing a wide range of audiences, as we've seen. And people named Hill as one of their sexiest men alive. So, you know, we're super excited to have you here. But the reason you're here, really, and the reason why we met is that you also created this app called the Black Wall Street. And, you know, ever so often, I see a bunch of people wearing these T-shirts. So it's actually kind of going, you know, it seems to be going really well because people know about this app and the wallet. And, you know, you're a big crypto advocate. So I want to know so many things, but let's just start with Black Wall Street, like how did that come about? How did you get into crypto? And, you know, how did you start this? Okay, that's a whole bunch of different questions, but I love it. And certainly I love having a conversation about the Black Wall Street and what we're doing because the hope is that we do go globally and internationally. So everyone who's listening to this or watching this from around the world, hopefully our technology and our platform will be available everywhere you are soon. You know, I just got back from Abu Dhabi where I was asked to go speak at the Abu Dhabi FinTech Conference by Access Abu Dhabi. And there's a lot of discussion about how can we use the technology to deal with the wealth gap that exists 
around the world, not just in the U.S. And so fundamentally speaking, that leads me into the mission here about using this technology as a tool to deal with the racial wealth gap that exists in the U.S. and beyond, to offer tools for marginalized communities and historically, systemically, and institutionally marginalized communities to get access to ascending value asset classes that heretofore they've been blocked from and systemically and institutionally locked out from. And that's the ethos and that's the foundation. How it came to be is simply, I wanted to look back at times in the U.S. in particular where there were disruptions in the wealth gap. And in particularly, historically, there were these communities in many cities across the U.S. where Black communities built wealth and opportunity and access and created jobs and businesses yet, and they were called Black Wall Street, right? A Black representation of Wall Street. And there were the one that was the largest and the most robust and most successful was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, between 1905 and 1921, founded by a man named O.W. Gurley, which was very interesting. He was a Black man in 1905, but in America, there was a rarity. and had a little money. And he bought a large, almost 40 blocks of land right outside of downtown Tulsa, on the south side of these railroad tracks. Right. And what he decided to do is, I believe, three key choices that created an ecosystem of wealth, access, and opportunity in this ecosystem, in this area. Pillar number one, institutional ownership. He encouraged the people who own the lease to own, to actually be owners, not employees, not renters, but actual owners. Right. Number two, institutional trust. He encouraged folks to trust each other and transact with each other, create liquidity flows with it with each other. And then pillar number three, perhaps the most important, the movement of money or capital within the ecosystem where a dollar changed hands within that ecosystem 6,100 times. That was a year to three years back then. Today, a dollar leads to Black community within 67 hours. And the reason why we launched Beta with a digital wallet is I believe if we don't start owning our own wallet and wallet technology, it'll be leaving within 67 seconds as we move out of fiat into digital and cryptocurrency. So that's the foundation of why we call it the Black Wall Street and what it is, what mission or what we're attempting to do and deal with. I love it because, you know, it's worked historically so well for that specific use case in Tulsa. And for many other things, right, many other communities, as long as you own the payment, you own the finance. And that's why all, even all the corporations right now are trying to build wallets. You know, Facebook tried, but technically, you know, almost everybody out there, Amazon, Google, you know, everybody's working on these payment apps. So, you know, and who owns these companies, right? So you're creating kind of this community-owned environment, which is using its own infrastructure for the payment, giving power to the community. Absolutely. And eventually, obviously, and this is where, you know, you and I can work together is we see an ecosystem of tokenization of real estate assets. You know, Nipsey Hussle talked about buy back the block. We believe, you know, buy back the blockchain. We tokenize these assets, let people from the community, they don't have the down payment to buy the actual whole asset because they've been locked out institutionally because of the big banks, et cetera. We can tokenize that asset and allow them access to purchase pieces in smaller chunks of their own community and build their own wealth from the inside out. And that creating foundational economic tools. I always say you can't be free if the cost of being you is too high. 
You know, the, we have to, and it's, and right now it's extremely expensive to be poor and we have to actually figure out and use the tools that we can, the tech tools that exist and blockchain technology is one of those tools that can create fair access right. and, and equity. And level the playing field for everyone. Yeah. You know, you can borrow money outside of the banking system, start your own business, you know, build your way up through ownership. Right. Like yeah. you said, that's really, really cool. So one of the projects we're doing now with a partner called Urban Pacific in California is actually workforce housing, where we'll allow the renters participate in the ownership, fractional ownership of actually their own communities and kind of build their way up. So I would love to hear more about that because I've targeted a community in Detroit to do the same thing. So I'd love to hear about how you structured that and perhaps we could partner on that in Detroit. Absolutely. I would love that. I'm super, super excited. So tell me in general, what is the app that you're building and that you've built? What does it entail? Okay. So just like anything else, we have to build it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And right now, the Black Wall Street digital wallet is just that. It's a digital wallet that has educational videos on it that educate you about financial literacy, financial education, cryptocurrency, investment, hopefully to help you avoid the pitfalls of shilling and all sorts of things that are happening in the crypto space, and along with understanding how you can participate in getting your money out of cash into ascending value asset classes. And so- mm-hmm. Right now, the only thing you can purchase on the app is Bitcoin. We're focusing on Bitcoin. Our goal is to have every Black person in America hold at least 1 million Satoshis. The goal is, you know, so if we can get 40 million people to hold at least a million Satoshis, you can see where that starts to go, right? Over 62% of Americans, even non, I'm not talking about Black Americans, Latino Americans, I'm talking about all Americans, have less than $1,200 in savings. And so we can impact that directly just by having folks hold a million Satoshis. Today's dollars, a million Satoshis, about $410. That will not last for very long, for much longer. And so we want to get people educated and get them into an asset class. But listen, you don't need to have $410. We have set it up that what I'm most proud of is I call it set it and forget it. You know, as little as $6, if you have $6, a day, great. If you have $6 a week, great. Yeah. If you have $6 coffee. a month. Yeah, it's a Starbucks coffee, right? Yeah. Start. Yeah. $6 a month. Set it and forget it. And you start stacking your sats. You start understanding that there's a way to build foundational wealth without uh, having to go to a payday lender that's taking 18 to 24% of a paycheck that already hasn't even kept up with inflation. Yeah. And so we can give and offer these tools. And then to your point earlier, what starts to happen? If we build up enough of an asset class, we can start using that asset for collateralization to then leverage and use that money for other assets. And then we start compounding the building of wealth and opportunity and ownership of real estate assets. Perhaps it's other types of assets, stocks, et cetera. And so we need to start somewhere and it has to start with education first. And so we have all these educational videos for free on the platform. Plus your ability to do that. So that's just the beta. That's just the beginning. Eventually, as you mentioned earlier, we'll move into payment systems. We move into black business and nonprofit aggregators so we can support each other. We move into tokenization and tokenomics and all of that. And someday, and this is the holy grail, is obviously having the Black Wall Street DAO and a DAO launchpad so that the community 
owns the platform. The community makes the decision right. about how the treasury the assets also that go exactly. That's the we goal. We can help with that as well. So we're now actually creating infrastructure as a decentralized investment bank, specifically for real estate. And you can create an index of whatever types of assets that you want. So you can create an index of the highest performing Black-owned assets, for example, or African-American-owned companies and so on and so forth. And then how uh, under that, and you know, see, now I'm interviewing you. So under that, how are how do people buy into that? Like, what is the function that you're using as the buy-in? And how is that, how do you stay out of trouble with Securities and Exchange Commission, et cetera? So that's a fantastic question, Hill. So first and foremost, the assets that need a lot of financing, it will be a security token at the end of the day. So it is at the very ground level going to be accessible to accredited investors institutions, but will always, every single asset that is eligible for a crowdfunding platform will always put on a crowdfunding platform. And so we'll be able to gather up to $5 million from retail, you know, from anybody. Now, the whole idea of decentralized underwriting is the fact that the initial expert investors will decide which assets are worthy of financing, right? So how do we know who is an expert? Well, because they own specific tokens that are outperforming, right? So they own tokens of a specific asset class that is in question that are performing really well. So that's our consensus mechanism. The governance mechanism is if you, Hill Harper, invested in, let's say, Uber five years ago, And now it's going, you know, it's doing amazing. So if there is another company that's doing something in the automotive or maybe marketplace, you know, whatever way we slice the sectors, then you are actually going to be eligible to invest first in those types of startups. And you will also get to decide if Uber is even worthy of being on a platform. How do you aggregate that community? So first, we're going to start actually with institutions and professional investors who will own nodes on the platform. So, and by the way, that's how it should be. You know, if you're doing really well, you're giving back, right? It's basically you've risen to a certain level. So now let's create this community. You know, let's, we'll tokenize your assets. You'll buy into the node and you'll be able to see these Ubers first, right? I love it. So we definitely need to talk about that because that is something to me, um, we could be first movers with you on that for the Black Wall Street. And, you know, we're also going to launch, hopefully, by the end of Q2 of this year, our Latinx platform, you know, because we aren't trying to be like other folks that lump Black and Brown people together. We understand the cultures are different. We understand the needs and desires are different. We understand that the trust factors are different. Yeah. And we understand some of the the, the true assets or what we can offer are different. And yeah, I also exactly. want to have executives and leaders of these platforms that represent the community. So I'm bringing in and recruiting right now, looking for Latino executives who are interested in impacting the wealth gap in their community to take a leadership role on the Latinx platform that we're launching. So we're going to use the same backend core tech stack that we've developed for the Black Wall Street, but have a different front end that directly speaks to the Latinx community. Because ultimately, this is a function of trust. And there's so much mistrust and distrust in both of those communities, rightfully so, because they've been ripped off a hundred different ways in terms of financial services. So we have to build the trust back. And we do that by offering value 
yeah. um, real value in education, et cetera, and also having leadership that represents the community, this trusted leadership. And so we're building that way. So I'd love to talk to you about that for both of those platforms. Yeah, it's all about trust, isn't it? It's all about yeah. trust. Beautiful thing about blockchain technology is it's trustless. It takes a lot of the mistrust and historical mistrust off the table for the community. Yeah. Right. And that is a very valuable tool because people can get into the space and understand it. You mentioned Uber earlier. I always use Uber as an example about how unintended consequences of good technology actually deals with systemic racism. And people mm-hmm. are like, Hill, how's that so? And I say, well, think about this. As a black man in New York City, I can have the money in my hand. It could be raining and I need a cab bad and the taxi would drive right by me. You know, functional racism. I mean, that's it, because I got the cash. Now, with Uber, the app doesn't know my race. Right. The car shows up through the technology. Now, some people say, well, you know, there are fewer cars in certain zip codes and all that. And yes, there is. But we can. But at the end of the day, a car still shows up. I may have to wait a few more minutes, but a car is still showing up. For sure. And, And so a race, you know, Travis when he was founding Uber, didn't even think that he would be solving a race-based mobility problem. So, and I would suggest to you that, you know, many of the founders and folks who have been doing a lot of work in blockchain and even Bitcoin weren't thinking about race and systemic racism. I think they were thinking about certain inequities and centralization of power, but it even filters through racism because when something is race agnostic, it actually solves a race problem. Because we as Black folks have never ask for anything special. We just want fairness. If the playing field is level, we're okay with that. We're good. Just give us right. a level. Policy. Right. And I've seen that a lot actually on The Good Doctor because that show is just so good about, you know, addressing all types of discrimination. And they're all talking about how uh, there are, you know, instances of even not getting life-saving treatment or not trusting a patient of a certain race, just making all kinds of assumptions. And that was just so cool to see. And, you know, if these decisions were based on the blockchain, you know, that definitely would not even be in the case. Yes, absolutely. And that's one thing that you point out really well. And one thing I'm very proud of to be on a show like The Good Doctor, where, you know, the writing is so good, but at the same time, it's about something bigger and deeper. And yes, fundamentally, it's in, in its entertainment, but it's entertainment that has a little bit more to it. It's about saying that no matter who you are, you have something valuable to add. And no matter what, we can analyze and discuss tough topics, hopefully, you know, cry a little bit, laugh a little bit and learn from each other. We all have the ability to touch each other, to learn from each other. And we're all in this together. You know, Dr. King's birthday is coming up. And one of my favorite Dr. King quotes is he said, we're all tied together in a single garment of mutual destiny. He didn't say some of us are tied together. He didn't say if you're from Israel and I'm from the U.S., if you're black, you're white, if you're this, you're that. We're, no, we are all tied together in a single garment of mutual destiny. So my destiny is inextricably linked with yours and everybody who's watching this or listening to this, no matter when. If you're watching it 10 years after we recorded it or taped it, we're still linked. Even if I'm long gone or whatever, we are still linked. And so that's understanding mutual destiny, understanding radical empathy, and understanding how effective use of fair-based technology, blockchain technology can impact the world. All of those things go hand in hand. And that's why I love the fact that I'm on this journey. Amazing. So your background is just so rich. I mean, you went to law school, you wrote four books. What is your favorite thing about acting? 
And how can you, with this grueling acting schedule that we hear about in the media, how do you have time to do these amazing things like the Black Wall Street? I love acting because it just makes my heart beat faster to be able to play characters that I think are interesting and work with people that I enjoy. And so, and you're right, people often say, man, you got two graduate degrees from Harvard, but you do a job that you don't even need a high school diploma to do. And that's true, right? And I always think that we always say this wrong thing about education. Education isn't about study this so you can do this. Education is about study this so you become a more learned human and increase your optionality. And if you wanna do something that relates to it, great. If not, it'll still be in you and a part of you. And so to me, that's why I try to let my heart lead. And so I love acting and you're right. There's a, a chunk of time it takes, but there's a lot of time. We're simultaneously living in a time where there's very little and a lot. And it's really about, I call it sequential mastery. You know, we all have the ability to be a master of many things if we're able to focus and do things sequentially. I certainly can't do a bunch of stuff at the same time, but what I try to do is whenever I'm doing one thing, this is all I'm doing. So I wanna be excellent in this discussion we're having. Yeah. And so I'm not thinking about anything else but this. This is what's so important to me right now, this podcast, this recording. And as soon as it's over, I'll move on to the next thing I have to do. But if I'm trying to look at my phone while I'm talking to you and do all these other things, that's going to mean that not even that is good. So to me, the way to be excellent in multiple things is sequential excellence and sequential mastery. Focus on what you're doing at the time. So when I'm acting, I'm acting. Hopefully, when I'm being a father to my son, Pierce, I'm hopefully being the best father I can. I shouldn't be acting when I'm being a father. Right. And when I'm doing the Black Wall Street and working as an entrepreneur, that's all I'm doing. And I believe that if we do that sequentially, you can do it. When, when we start to get into trouble is when we start letting our mind be stressed out about this or that and the other thing, or I got to do this, I got to do that. And it starts pulling your focus and you start ultimately fraying at the seams. And, and I don't want to do that. I want to be present with the people that are important to me. I want to be present with the businesses that are important to me. And I want to be present with the activities that I love doing. And I try, I fail all the time at it. I fail all the time, but I try to do my best. And that's the key. I just try to do my best. That's the key. So how old is Pierce now? And what does he think about what you do? Does he know what you do? Does he grasp it? Pierce is six years old. And he is a wonderful young man, but, you know, I think he could, I don't know. I think he likes the fact that I'm an actor. He knows that I'm an actor and he likes the fact that I played Dr. Marcus Andrews. He understands that. He says now that he wants to be a doctor in real life someday. So not an actor, but a doctor. That's cool. the surgery yep. scenes. So he yeah. wants me to always FaceTime him when I'm doing the surgery scenes. I haven't been able to talk to him as much about money as I'd like. He does know what Bitcoin is. I don't know if he understands exactly what it is, but he understands what Bitcoin is, or he understands what, that Bitcoin exists. And I want to make him understand things about money. There's a fine line that I've actually don't have the answer to. So if anybody out there is listening and have, has really good advice for me on this, please DM me. But as a parent, you know, I want to offer him as much as I can in terms of access and opportunity and experience and things. But at the same time, how do you simultaneously cultivate appreciation for those things if those things are just ostensibly just handed to you in certain ways? And so I guess what I'm trying to do is trying to 
let him have a really innocent, fun childhood where he doesn't really have to learn about any heavy stuff yet and sort of is sheltered from that. So, and try to extend that innocence period as far out as I can. And I even edit certain books that I have to get trying to extend that. And then at some point, obviously start feeding in the things that are more real and reality and challenges that he'll face as a young black man in America and all of those things. And so that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Obviously it's a fine line and a a difficult thing. And I'm trying to figure it out as I go. I don't think anybody has the answer to that hill. So if you figure it out, you should DM us. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, but you know, I think that you guys, when you launched the black wall street, didn't you do some sort of a bus tour uh, to inaugurate? We did a 30 city bus tour. We went to the most economically challenged zip codes in the U S and attempted to just meet people where they are. Cause there were so many people who were saying, you know what, you can't talk about digital currency and crypto and Bitcoin to communities where they can't even pay their bills. And I'm like, that's the, actually the opposite. That's exactly who we need to be talking to about this. And so we did that. And again, there's, you know, many, many sets of challenges that we're still continuing to take head on. I'm going to make a major announcement as a joint venture with a company coming up in about two weeks a company that really focuses on servicing the mobile services for subsidized mobile service company, right? Really targeting marginalized and challenged communities and providing education and access to the Black Wall Street on their phones. And so that's going to be a major announcement for us. I'm very excited about the partnership and what that announcement holds. And so, you know, we just, I believe the way we solve this work and we do this work is through partnership. I can't do it on my own. And I don't think one company can. I think we need to really partner and we can think of ourselves as entrepreneurs from the standpoint of we can scale together. You know, we can scale together. And if the landscape is changing so quickly, then I believe if those of us that are mission aligned don't scale together, you're going to see a redo of these behemoths coming into the space and literally manipulating the space that it stamps out everybody. And it's just a redo of the centralization that we've seen before. And so we have to, I have to partner with you. Mm -hmm. We have to partner together. Even when we're in Miami, I'll tell you, I'm not going to mention any names, but it broke my heart, you know, taking a meeting with somebody where we were very much aligned in the work we were doing but realizing that they had been convinced that if they're the winner in the black community, they'll make more money. Right. Right. And so they didn't want to partner. Yeah. The market is huge, but that's the thing. As long as we exist in what I call a slave mentality, that we've been convinced by those who own the most that there's only room for one of you. A zero sum game. Zero sum. And it's a loser. Because at the end of the day, you know, you may get paid off short term. Eventually, the whole community loses rather than saying, hey, we can create a bunch of winners if we do it together. And it might take a little longer. And yeah, you may not get bought out in three years, you know, but what if you don't want to get bought out? What if you want to IPO and let the community own it, right? That's the thing. Yeah, it'll take a little longer to get there, but then it can really grow and scale fast is what it's about. I, it broke my heart when I heard someone tell me that they were building this, they were selling black ownership through a, 
a company and their plan was to get acquired within the next three to four years by a big majority owned bank. I'm like, well, aren't you really knowingly selling the community down the river in a way? And so therefore you're just a marketing apparatus. You're not a real company. Yeah. You know, listen, it's okay. We just got to continue to work together and grow and scale together. Absolutely. So it made me remember about the Robin Hood and GameStop and how a lot of people got together, you know, on Reddit and that community and mobilized and influenced the movements of the stocks and for some time, right? So, you know, they called themselves the first de like decentralized investment bank, or at least, you know, non-institutional investment bank. So unfortunately, without blockchain, this kind of bringing people together looks more like like a Ponzi scheme, right? You're kind of raising the prices way, way up and then, you know, they will drop at some point. So definitely need a lot better and structured approach to bring people together, to bring communities together so that it can make decisions together so they can grow together and grow wealth and be on par, you know, with these big institutional banks that don't service the majority of the people, right? Especially anybody who's underbanked or non-banked at all. And, you know, so I think that what you're saying is, is right on the money in terms of, you know, mobilizing and partnering with each other. Because at the end of the day, if we want to be like, who are we against? Or at least like, what are we trying to change? Right. And just like in any of the movies, you know, Star Wars or just anything out there, that's kind of, you know, based on battlefield, like you always see people unite, you know, even enemies unite to be to get the common goal. So I'm all for it. Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, you know, obviously we're living in a very polarized world yeah. in so many ways. I mean, you're in Tel Aviv, you know, as well as anybody, what polarization can do yeah. and how much damage it can do Absolutely. Um, by separation and violence and, yeah. and etc. Mm -hmm. You know, if we literally are living in a world where folks are willing to sink the ship to kill the captain, <laughs> what happens? We all go down. Yeah. You know, we don't have to agree on everything. Let's just agree on one thing mm -hmm. and work together on that rather than saying, unless you agree with me on everything, I'm going to make sure that you lose. And if I do that, then I lose too. And, and, and okay. that's just, you have to just understand that. And, and people say, well, if I come with my hand out, but the person comes with, with they have the opportunity to slash me or cut me because I'm showing weakness. Now, I completely disagree. Again, we can go back to Dr. King. And so that I believe that true transparency, heart strength is in saying, I am opening myself up to you. I believe that you can have the will and ability to open yourself up to me. Let's find that touch point where we can both agree and actually do that work together. There's so much more that we have in common than we have separate. Yet the world and many manipulators will try to separate us and tell us differently. Absolutely. And not only that, like in statistically speaking, and more diverse communities are much more, you know, innovative yes. and create more value much faster. You know, that's why at Solid Block, we're so big on diversity, you know, male, female, race. You know, in Israel, we have our own thing, you know, obviously Arabs and Israelis. So we were, you know, hiring Palestinians and in America, African-Americans and LGBTQ community. So, you know, we're, we're basically, and actually one of our investors in the past round is uh, an angel group called Gangels. So, you know, very, very big on diversity. So it's all, 
you know, very, very important right now beyond just being trendy. You know, it's just actually statistically speaking, when people of different backgrounds come together, it's actually much more productive for everyone. Absolutely true. I totally agree and totally support that without question. And we have to do that work and spread the message that that diversity, equity, and inclusion is a part of our ethos that runs through every piece of what we do. Amazing. So tell me about your plans for 2022, this year that has just started professionally, personally, you know, career-wise, Black Wall Street-wise. Well, you know, we need funding. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, no car can run without some type of fuel or energy. Yeah. And for us to be able to scale, we need funding. And that's our that's been our biggest challenge because as a mission-driven platform, a lot of folks who are in fintech and in in the space, you know, they want to see what's my return within 18 months, you know, what's my customer acquisition cost, and then what's my lifetime value of that customer, all of those things. And with our platform, we're attempting to offer value first to the community and then saying, hey, we're going to build this community, give offer them value. And yes, I know historically this is the community you're used to extracting value from, but why not we flip it and offer value? It's been a very hard position to take, to be quite honest. I and so you know, we need help with introductions to find mission-aligned investment. And that's my focus for the Black Wall Street, because unless I can find mission-aligned partners with patient capital, I won't be able to grow and scale and, and do the things that we want to do. And so that's mainly the focus. And then there are a few entertainment projects that I want to do. There's an NFT project that I'm going to do around an animated show that I'm excited about. And that's just another a fun thing to figure out a way to do some alternative entertainment product. And so that's coming soon. And just I'm enjoying um, creating, you know, fundamentally, I, I see myself as a creator and hopefully also a connector and community builder. And so everything I do, whatever space it is, there's that kind of through line. Yeah, I love that. Amazing. So you gave a lot of quotes here from Dr. Martin Luther King. So what is like the best quote that you live by? If you can. Ooh. You know, one of my favorite, favorite quotes is always about the future because the future in many ways, technology represents the future. And we're always looking towards how to bring new solutions to old problems. And that's what the future hopefully is. And so one of my favorite quotes is an old quote. It's a Bobby Kennedy quote where he said, the future does not belong to those who are fearful of bold projects and new ideas, but rather the future belongs to those who can blend passion, reason, and courage into a personal commitment to the great ideals and enterprises of American society. And so to me, you break down the first half of that quote, the future does not belong to those who are fearful of bold projects, new ideas. The future doesn't belong to anybody who's afraid of innovation and doing something new, but rather the future belongs to those who can blend passion. Passion just means energy, bringing your whole self to the table. Reason means having a plan a blueprint or using your mind and reasoning skills. And then the third word, courage, if you speak French or know anything about the etymology of that word, it's one of my favorite words in the English language. It doesn't mean the antithesis of fear. What it means is getting into your heart and, you know, your core. Mm-hmm. And your French yeah. core means heart. Yeah. And so I just want to get into my heart. I want to have a plan and I want to bring energy to that plan. And to me, that keeps me going every day. Yeah. You know, a funny anecdote in Hebrew, the heart is lev, and lev is similar to love, right? In English. 
Ah, I love that. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there is another one, a dog is ke lev, which actually means like love, you know? Mm. So for any, any dog lovers out there, <laughs> a few, yes. few anecdotes. So Hill, where is home? Do you have a place that you call home? Well, now I'm living in the Pacific Northwest. So that's the most Northwest part of the United States in Washington state. And I shoot my show, The Good Doctor in Vancouver, which is right across the border Mm -hmm. in British Columbia in Canada. And I have a home in New York City, but I'm here now. This is my home now. This is where my son goes to school. Yeah. Um, You enjoy the rainy weather. It rains every day. It's it's (laughs) rainy and rainy every day. And we'll see once The Good Doctor's over, hopefully it won't be over for a while. We may move somewhere else. Maybe we'll move to Tel Aviv, you know. Yay. Uh, We'd love to. We'd love to have you here. But on the other hand, I love Good Doctor so much. May it continue for many, many years. And then we'll- I hope so. I hope it does. <laughs> yeah, we have quite a few good crypto and blockchain projects over here. So definitely, in any case, you should come to visit. You know, I'm sure you'll love it. I've been to Tel Aviv. I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. I've been to, you know, I've traveled the areas and I love it. You know, I just, there was so many beautiful, wonderful people just shows you how connected we all are. So I can't wait to go back. And so thank you. And please come visit here and let's figure out ways to work together. Let's do that. Anybody from your community and anybody that wants to work together, just DM me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll look for it. And, And also there's a community number. You can text me on. There's so many different ways to get in touch. Clubhouse, Twitter. You know, we, we all are connected, so we all can connect. Yep. Amazing. So I just have one more question for you. Okay. If you were to write a fifth book to become your, or maybe you have more, I know you have a four New York Best Times bestsellers. Say so your next book, what would it be about? You know, my next book, I always said, okay, here's my book, The Wealth Cure. There it is. You know, whenever I finish a book, I always say I'm never writing another book because it's so, <laughs> it is so hard. But then once there's enough years afterwards, maybe I soften a little bit. So I've actually been thinking about a next book, but I'm not still not committing to it. But I'll tell you what I've been thinking about, to be quite honest. It'd be a book about radical empathy. We're in a time now where we have to reset our mind and our spirit back towards how can we walk and occupy someone else's shoes, space, heart, how can we put ourselves into attempting to understand their experience, their worldview? So it would be centered around radical empathy. And I don't know what that book is yet, but that's what it would probably be. It's an exercise you have to do. It's something you got to practice. And your character development on the show, I don't want to provide any spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched it. He's evolved and and we all go in and out. And my character's evolved in many ways. He's been impacted by the people around him, particularly Dr. Sean Murphy. And so it just shows to show you that if you are, if you are light and energy, you actually transfer that energy to others. You know, physics tells us that energy cannot be created or destroyed. So where does it go? It gets transferred. So if you're positive energy, you transfer that positive energy and light. If you are negative energy, you do the same. And so we have to understand that we, we're the light and we're the positive. We have to shine light on the darkness and we have to work with each other to impact and, and amplify our positive and good energy. Absolutely. And ever since I met you, that's one thing. If somebody said, you know, 
how would you describe Hill? I'd say, you know, positivity, constant smile and positivity, you know? So I love that. And I love the way you impact people, the education you provide and the mission definitely identify and, you know, we're going to work together one way or the other, you know? I hope so. And I'm very proud of you for doing this show. It's so important to give folks opportunities to learn new and different things from people they may never have known or heard of. And so this education, it all starts with that an opportunity to learn and hear. And so congratulations on the show and whatever way I can help amplify it, let me know. Amazing. How can people find the Black Wall Street? If you're in the U.S., you can download from the App Store. Just go to The Black Wall Street. You have to type in The the Black Wall Street in the App Store and in Google Play, The Black Wall Street. You'll see it's a digital wallet. It's like a rising sun. It's like purple and black and these cool colors. And check it out. Please download it. Please go through the KYC process and all of that because we're doing that. People ask, ask me all the time, man, why do we have to KYC and do all that on your platform? I say, because here's the deal. We want to keep money laundering and any kind of negative issues that could potentially get us shut down off the platform. I want to do every, I want to be so buttoned up as far as all the compliance that I want you to feel that your money's safe and your connectivity is top of the line and safe. And I want it to feel like no one's going to come in and try to shut down the platform and say there's illegal things happening. So everyone's money is in jeopardy. We want to have the safest platform possible because the last thing I want to do is to get people to trust the platform. And then all of a sudden, there's some type of thing that has nothing to do with us going on on the platform that we know if we didn't do all the stringent measures that there could be loose activity happening. We're not going to have that on our platform. People can go somewhere else to do that. And so I know it creates some friction in the funnel, but please, please, please go through the process, take the time, connect the bank account and and use the Black Wall Street. We're cheaper than Coinbase to buy your Bitcoin. We're cheaper than Cash App. You know, that means our exchange fees are less And then you can send, buy your Bitcoin on our platform and then send it off and store it into your cold wallet and into other places where you own and hold your own keys. I say, set it and forget it on our platform. And once you hit a certain delta of holdings, move it off, move it off. I think self-sovereignty is where the power lies. And so use ours as just that first piece and then move it off for self-sovereignty and then watch as we continue to add new and different pieces and assets on the platform. Absolutely. I love that. Amen. I'm definitely going to go and download it. And, you know, next time I buy some Bitcoin, hopefully in the dip, <laughs> we'll be hey, on Black Wall Street. Bitcoin is on sale right now. It's Absolutely. on sale. But I recommend, I'm price agnostic, dude. Don't worry about price, just dollar cost average. Don't even think about price. Live your life. Set it and forget it. Whatever you can afford and push yourself. Yeah. You do can you do $6 a day? Can you do $6 a week? Can you do $6 a month? Can you do $20 a oh, week? Oh, you have that automatically. I can basically Auto, buy everything. And forget it. You don't even have to think about it ever again. That's amazing. I love it so much. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming. And, and you know, you're so busy. I'm just so excited that you made time. And um, so, you know, anybody, by the way, for investment, you know, Hill is now available for investment, Black Wall Street. So reach anybody listening who identifies with the mission that we talked about. Come and reach out to Hill on Instagram, DM. And you can find this podcast on solidblog.co slash podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all around. Thanks for listening and see you guys next time. Bye, Hill. Thank you. Bye, everybody.